Funding for this podcast comes from MathWorks, creators of MATLAB and Simulink software, accelerating the pace of engineering and science. Learn more at MathWorks.com. WBUR Podcasts, Boston. I'm Daryl C. Murphy, and you're listening to The Commons. WBUR education reporter Max Larkin, welcome back to The Common. Thanks for having me back. Always a pleasure to have you. Now, the last few times we talked, we talked about higher education. But now we are talking about K-12. We're talking about K-12 because Boston Public Schools just released a long-awaited master plan for its school buildings. With this plan... The district aims to address some of the longstanding problems with schools throughout the city. Max, tell me, why is this master plan a big deal? Like, why should people care? I think what you need to understand is Boston is far and away the biggest school district in Massachusetts, biggest school district in New England. And so Mm -hmm. if you're a suburban school district, you might have four schools or six schools or 10 schools. Boston has 119 schools. And so what that means is 119 buildings, at least. Some schools have multiple buildings. And half of those buildings were built before the Second World War. And they haven't necessarily Mm -hmm. gotten the upgrades they need. Basically, if you walk into any given Boston public school building, you're going to see things that you probably wouldn't see in the suburbs. You know, you'll feel excess heat, excess cold. You might see a leak in the ceiling. You might see a water bubbler because the water fountain is not super reliable or safe. It is a enormous system. And basically, everybody wants to know, A, when are you going to fix this so that my child or that child is learning in an excellent school, but also mm-hmm. how much of a headache is this going to be for me as a teacher or as a parent or as a student? I think, you know, everybody wants to know, basically, what am I, what, <laughs> what should I be ready for? Okay. Thank you for explaining that. Now that the plan is out, what is the district planning to do? We don't totally know. It doesn't end up being (laughs) that kind of plan. What they promise to do is to lay out what's a good school and then a roughly 18-month process that's going to, you know, basically you are going to be informed as a parent or educator or student that something's going to happen to your school. It's going to be closed potentially, but also maybe merged with another small school, or it's going to be renovated and you might be displaced or inconvenienced. And basically what the plan does is not to say when that's going to happen for your specific school, but to lay out a process. And the goal is basically to say, we don't want to surprise you. We want you to know why we're doing it and how we're doing it so that you can fully take part. You may not like the outcome, if it's disruptive to you, but at least you understand uh, where we're coming from. Right, right. Now, let's get to the plan. Max, does the BPS master plan include any school closures? 
The answer, I'm afraid, is yes and no. Mm. I, I think what the district makes clear is it has too many schools for the students it serves. So you, you have to imagine 50 years ago, Daryl, there were twice as many students in the Boston public schools as there are now. That's a big shrinkage. So while the district has closed some schools in the last couple decades or so, it still has too many to serve the population that it enrolls now. And so it's pretty clear to me, and even from the, the plan, that the district would like to close at least 14 of its 119 schools. But what's not clear is exactly how many it will close. So I think what the report does is it leaves a range. At the low end, you would close something like 14 schools, one out of 10, roughly. At the high end, you'd close 60. That's half of the schools in the city. Now, the Boston Globe kind of took that higher number and ran with it. They said in a headline that Boston public schools may close as many as half of their schools. But in the hours thereafter, Superintendent Mary Skipper said, that's not what we meant by that range. What we wanted was to give a sense of how many schools are too small, but people shouldn't anticipate disruption on quite that scale. So the plan is like a little short on detail. So it like leaves the implication that some schools will probably have to close or merge, but it's not clear how many. It gives kind of a range, and it doesn't say which schools those will be. Now, Mayor Michelle Wu was on Radio Boston last month, and she kind of explained why they took that more sort of procedural but less specific approach. We don't believe, uh, and we hear this loud and clear from our communities as well, that a top-down decision of we're just going to move these schools together you can't do that without having community process and engage in what our students and families and educators have to say about all those different pieces. And so it would have been impossible. If you think of the idea of a plan as having every single change to every school community laid out with specific dates, that wouldn't have been possible by this time. Hmm. Yeah. So you understand from that, Daryl, it's like there, there is a promise to include families in these big decisions. And they even settle on a kind of Goldilocks timing, like 18 months from when we tell you about this to when the, the changes actually affect your school. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back. The world's clean energy future relies on ancient elements still in the ground. Without mining, there will not be a clean energy transition. But pulling them out of the ground comes at an environmental and human cost. Mining is intrusive, but the results are the building blocks for products that we use every single day. I'm Meghna Chakrabarty. Join me on point for Elements of Energy, Mining for a Green Future, five special episodes. Listen and follow On Point wherever you get your podcasts. Did you kill Marlene Johnson? I think you're one of the first people to have actually asked. From WBUR and ZSP Media, this is Beyond All Repair, a new podcast about an unsolved murder that will leave you questioning everything. Somebody should be in jail for murdering my sister. A woman who's never been believed. As long as they think I have done this, then they're not looking for who actually did this. And that's what makes it a cold case. No, it's a botched case. And a search for the truth, once and for all. Wow, it just gets more interesting. Beyond All Repair. Listen and follow wherever you get your podcasts. Be careful. You're digging in a place that's been very peaceful for a while. 
do it anyway. Dig. And we're back with more from Max Larkin. Okay, so it's a master plan, kind of letting everybody know, hey, we see that there are a lot of issues with our schools, the actual buildings themselves, and we want to address them. Here are all the things we're thinking about. This is where we are right now. That's basically what the district is doing with the release of this master plan. Yeah, I think that's right. And so, you know, it's still a new document. But I spoke to uh, the president of the Boston Teachers Union, Jessica Tang. Now, the union has pushed back on facilities closures, which are disruptive to students and also disruptive to staff in the past. But Tang says she's sort of cautiously optimistic about at least what this plan promises the process will look like. So this to me is is the first step. It's just kind of setting a larger vision for the direction that the district and city want to go and school committee. But again, it's going to come down to the actual implementation. Right, right. Um, Now, did you get to talk to any families? I mean, I've had some chatter with them over like Twitter DMs and stuff. I should say X DMs. But I I think I probably heard the most from like advocates. So for instance, I spoke mm-hmm. to Ruby Reyes, who's the uh, director of BEJA, the Boston Education Justice Alliance. They're a pretty harsh critic of the way the district is run. And, you know, basically the district officials have been talking about this comprehensive master plan, comprehensive long-term plan. And a lot of people expected like specifics, like master plan, man, that sounds pretty uh, like a big deal. Yeah, And they got instead this kind of rubric. And I think Reyes spoke to some of that frustration. We were supposed to have gotten a comprehensive master facilities plan by December 31st to submit to the state. And then the mayor and superintendent Skipper came in and said, no, we're going to do this rubric instead. And I think for us, as advocates for families, we're still waiting for a plan that actually has details. Mm-hmm. So I think you hear there, it's like families want to know. They want to know in yeah. 2024 if their school kid's school is going to close in 2028. And I think that's like right. perfectly reasonable. The danger with that is that school is kind of a dead man walking, dead school walking yeah. at that point. Yeah. And people might, you know, morale might drop in the building. Some of your best teachers might say, hey, I ought to go start start anew at a, at a school that's not going to close. And it can really result in a, in a sort of sour and unhappy and, and disappointing feeling inside the school over the course of years. Understood, understood. There's another aspect of this plan that I want to touch on, and it is that BPS's master plan is part of the 2022 agreement between the city and state education officials that held off a state takeover of district schools, right? Where do things stand with that? Yeah, it is notionally a three-year plan, but it, so that means it would run uh, through the summer, I think, of 2025. But that being said, as you, as you noted, this was the last concrete thing that the district was required to submit to the state. And they, they got it in by a hair's breadth. I think they submitted it two days or three days before the year-end deadline. And so 
it's important that the state finds this plan persuasive, or at least a good first step, as Jessica Tang said. But we won't know until a meeting toward the end of this month, the general reactions of the state education officials to the plan with its few specifics. Got it. All right, Max. So if people want to learn more about this plan, perhaps they even want to get involved offering feedback, where can they go? Go to bostonpublicschools.org. And on the header of the website, there's an about BPS thing. Basically, you want to look for where they're talking about Mayor Michelle Wu's Green New Deal plan, which is under that about BPS thing. And you can go in there and see an assessment of how far or how close school buildings are to meeting the new standard for what they should offer to their staff and students. And you can go school by school. You can look at your children's school, the schools that they're considering entering. And then there are also a bunch of meetings, not just school committee meetings, but um, school site meetings and then citywide meetings about this plan where you can hear, learn more information, but also offer the input that the city says they want. Got it. Well, Max... As always, thank you so much for walking us through kind of a complicated situation. Thanks for having me, Daryl. That's WBUR education reporter Max Larkin. And to learn more about BPS's master plan, you can head over to WBUR.org and check out Max Larkin and Carrie Young's story, A Grand Vision with Few Specifics, for the overhaul of Boston Public Schools buildings. And that's our show for today. Thank you so much for listening to The Common. If you want to get in touch with us, hit us up on Instagram at WBURTheCommon or send us an email at thecommon at WBUR.org. I'm Daryl C. Murphy, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.